Okay, everyone, episode 168 with Dr. Perry Nicholson is about to begin. And this episode is filled with a lot of information. If you don't follow Dr. Perry, you definitely should. He's one of those practitioners who is a chiropractor that has dove into a lot of different facets of health, fitness, and wellness. He has more of a holistic approach than your typical chiropractor, and this is why I really wanted to talk to him. And if you look at the people he's speaking to on his podcast, they are some really intelligent people, doctors, neurosurgeons, skin specialists, like you name it. He's been talking to them. He's been learning under them. And this episode is like the cliff note of everything that he believes in. And I just honestly, I'm not going to do justice trying to summarize it. Here it is, Dr. Perry. Let's do this thing. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is a fellow podcaster as well, Dr. Perry Nicholson. Say hello. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on the show, my friend. I love the name of your podcast. <laughs> right? It's a funny story. Like, I remember when I decided to start my podcast, I'm like, what can I use with a swear word that would make sense in a fitness and health like industry? And I started just like swearing to myself, and then somehow that's what I got. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, it's very appropriate too, because there's so much bullshit in the industry. So you know, I just need to cut cut through it, and <laughs> yeah. keep it simple. You know, I like it. Yeah, you know what's interesting is like it took me, I think, eight weeks for iTunes to finally accept my show title, and ah. they didn't have like a call center where I could just be like, "Hey, what do I need to do?" It was just through email, and oh, the worst. they would just email me back every forty-eight hours, and it got to a point where I just copied and pasted every answer I got from the iTunes people until someone's like, "Just do this to your name, and you're gonna be good to go." It was so frustrating. <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah, uh, I know. I know that feels. I mean, I went through it as well, and then they ended up giving my uh, podcast a mature rating because of some of the things that I say in there. And I'm like, actually, I like it, you know, because yeah. then it opens it up because people I wonder what this is about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I always like to start the show with some easy questions to get the juices flowing, as I say. Um, okay. So very first easy question: What do you got planned for the weekend? Uh, well, you know, this weekend, uh, coming up, I'm, I'm, I usually love to work, you know, I, I have a passion for what I do and, uh, I'm going to be putting together a couple of my own podcasts this weekend and I've got a, a pretty big, um, thing coming in Germany towards the end of the year for uh, perform better, the fitness conference here, they got them uh, in the U S but they're all over the world and they asked me to come over there and, and put together a few special modules for their, their fitness people. So I'm going to be uh, working on that this weekend, try to expose them to kind of the crazy shit that I talk about <laughs> in, in my world. So I'm going to be doing that. And of, of course, uh, I'm going to be spending time as much as I can with my family. I'm almost got empty nest syndrome where I am, where I have <laughs> one, one son who's going to be finishing up college. And my youngest son, this is his, last year in high school so it's a big it's kind of a transition here where a lot is going to be changing and uh i try to spend as much time as i, I can with them when when they actually want to still spend time with 
mom and dad, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So are your kids going to follow in your footsteps and get into the fitness and health realm as well? No, I don't think so. No, they have no interest in doing that. I mean, they're both into training and working out and being healthy and stuff like that because that's how I've always been. But I've always encouraged them to take their own career path, do what they love to do. One is study to be an engineer, and the other one is in digital filmmaking. And I'm like, hey, you know, as long as you're happy doing what you're doing, that that's what matters to me. And um, I'm a chiropractor by trade, you know. I don't, I, I don't really even do so much of that anymore. The traditional way that people think about it, but uh, they had no interest in, in going in and becoming a chiropractor as well. And I'm like, that's cool. That's fine. Whatever you want to do. Nice. Actually, this would be a good question because your kids are a little bit older. I ask this to any guest that has kids. What did you do to kind of showcase that fitness and health is a, should be a priority in their lives without going so far to the right where they become obsessive about it? Um, I just walk in the talk, basically. They've seen through my whole life I've been into that uh, and something that I've done. It's just a part of who I am, and they've seen what it's done for me, and I share my experiences when I was a uh, teenager because I talk about this really where I when I was younger as a teenager um, around 11 12 13 that was a tough time frame for me my parents were getting a divorce and uh, I was moving around a lot and I just started to pack on weight you know and then be living in one town one month and then another town the next and just got very shy, introverted, got picked on and, and bullied a lot. And it's, of course, still happens to the kids today. And then, um, you know, my father ended up getting very sick with cancer and passing away. And I just lost all sense of who I was as a, as a person and the guiding force in my life to help show me how to be a man. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, the only thing that saved me was finding bodybuilding and fitness. I read Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography, and when he's on the cover and he's got the iconic mountain shot and he's got that side pose with the biceps sticking out, I'm like, that that's it. And then I, I started to just lift weights, and it was a way, fitness, for me to have a semblance of control in my life because everything else was out of control. And... I could change the way I look, change the way I feel based on my behavior and my habits. And it was really empowering. And then I got stronger physically. And then I got stronger mentally because the two years ago hand in hand, right? And then uh, I had nobody started to bully me anymore. And I think it was for two reasons. One, you get bigger, of course, but you carry yourself a certain way when you have confidence in yourself, right? Everything changes about your, your posture and your mannerisms. And that comes from the commitment and the dedication and the resilience to not quit and push yourself through hard training, which a lot of people don't do, and especially at that time, because I'm, I'm 51 years old. I started bodybuilding in kind of the golden era age, and uh, late 70s, early 80s, when uh, you know it was kind of not the end thing to do at that stage, and um, it's come a long way since that standpoint. But yeah, I I love it, 
and it saved my life. I've always said that from the beginning that it gave me the physical strength and resilience to keep pushing. But then it gave me the mental one. But it also taught me a lesson, honestly, because you can get sucked into that world really quick, like quicksand. And then next thing you know, you can have confidence, but then your confidence is attached to how you look. And that can pull you in really fast. So you start comparing yourself to other people. And then next thing you know, you're not good enough or not big enough or not muscular enough. And you get obsessive and compulsive with training and working out. And then fitness can be really empowering, but it can also become toxic. And uh, that can happen very quickly uh, as well. And so you got to really kind of stay steadfast in taking control of what it can do for you, but not letting you pull you into the dark side, especially when you get into competitive bodybuilding, that in and of itself is its own kind of domain, but there's different types of fitness, right? I used to tell people when they're, when they're doing fitness and training, I'm like, you're going to come have to a path. Do you, do you want to tell me you want to be a bodybuilder or do you want to be uh, another type of athlete? Cause both are athletes, but you're going to have to completely change what you're doing, how you're training, how you're eating, and the expectations and dedication you have for what you're doing. Because then you have muscles that are going to be for show, and then you got ones that are AKA more functional. It's completely different how you're going to train and your mind, your mindset and relationship to that. Oh, very well said. And I love stories like yours because it just shows the power of what exercise and training can do for an individual. And most people don't really understand it unless they've gone through a journey like you did. And that's why I always harp on people like, you know, even if you just dedicated yourself to one day a week and made that consistent for the rest of your life, like your life would change like drastically. Yeah, it's uh, I have the saying that I call LTAs little tiny action steps and uh, that's how you're going to be successful and i study a lot of brain science and neuroscience and why the why the body does what it does and why people do what they do in relationship to pain or behavior or changing a habit and you learn that the brain can't make big jumps it can't go from a to z uh it needs to do tiny steps and that's what LTAs are, little tiny action steps, little and often over the long haul, make you the hashtag beast mode, badass monster, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's why a lot of people end up quitting when they start physical programs. You see that all the time around New Year's. They, they go from all bad habits to all these quote unquote good habits and they stop eating all the bad stuff or more, more likely they stop eating. And then they train, you know, every single day, hour, two hour a day, go hard style. But then what happens is the body quits because it's too much pain associated with a big step. You didn't, you didn't make the little tiny step. You made a, a big jump and the brain doesn't, uh, it doesn't work that way. And when you can start to make that small little adjustment, it makes a huge ripple in the world. And I've learned something over the years that it's probably one of the most powerful things that's helped me in relationship to when I'm treating people in pain, trying to find an answer for why, what's going on for them, but also in the fitness world. Because I find that everybody wants, like, give me the one thing that's going to make me the best or you know, give me the one exercise or one diet and stuff like that. But there is no such thing. And they always want to add something to it, like, give me a corrective. Give me a something that's going to make my ass bigger. You got it? 
Um, but I realized that it's really got nothing whatsoever to do with what you start adding, but what you stop doing. Like very often it's like, man, you know, I just don't really have a you know, time to go to the gym three or four days a week. And, and I think, well, how about you just, you know, stop sitting on your ass for eight hours a day, right? Just so you stop one thing. And when you stop one thing, you inherently automatically start something else, if that makes sense. So you're coming at it from the other end of the spectrum. And it's the same way with nutrition or pain. Like you can come in to see me and I can give you all the correctives in the world. I can give you all the therapy in the world. But if you go home and you're doing something that's causing you to get pain and irritated in the first place, what I'm doing won't do shit. So it's what you have to stop doing not necessarily start. And it's the same thing with nutrition, I find a lot. Like I can give you all these different meal plans, but if you're going home and you're having that one thing that may be irritating your system that you don't know is irritating your system that causes a lot of inflammation uh, in, in your body, which is something I hope that we can talk about later, um, that if you don't stop that, what's causing an inflammatory process in your body through irritating your gastrointestinal system, um, no amount of adding any supplement or adding any protein or fat burner or any of this stuff is going to make any difference until you stop doing something. And it's really empowering where fitness and health, uh, the actions that we do are nonlinear. What I mean by that is that people think things are linear. If you do A, you automatically get an equal B. If A, then B. And it doesn't work like that. It's nonlinear. What that means is that if you stop doing A, you may skip B through the rest of the alphabet and end up at Z and be like, holy shit, I can't tell you. Like when I stopped doing that, I, I catapulted. Like I got so much better. I can't even tell you. That's what nonlinear means, and that's what why little tiny action steps make a difference because if you get the sweet spot action step, it can make an unbelievably, incomprehensible change in the impacting your life in a positive way. And that's what I try to give people as a lesson because it's honestly, it's a lot easier to stop something than it is to start something. I've found that out through working with multiple people when you're trying to change a, uh, a habit. If you're trying to change a habit, you have to change a behavior. And um, it's easier to stop one than to start one. I love it. I love how you like in-depth answers you give. But uh, before we keep going, we need to do a little intro for you because <laughs> we've been just like chatting this whole time. But can you, tell ah. the, <laughs> can you tell the audience like who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry in the first place? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, um, my name is Perry Nicholson, and um, I'm a chiropractor, but not a chiropractor. <laughs> I'll tell you what that means <laughs> in a second. But I got into this healthcare industry through uh, bodybuilding and getting hurt. Um, I had multiple back injuries from doing you know, really stupid shit, and then I couldn't uh, barely move at one point, and then uh, chiropractic helped get me back together again, and then I decided that I would like to pursue that as a career. Um, and then I got into it and I definitely enjoyed it, but I've always had a lifelong quest to figure out why people, uh, when they have pain that even when I did chiropractic and stuff like that to them, why things started to come back all the time or why I had to see them so often. And you know, what, what 
what might have been missing in the approach that I was doing. And then that's led me on a lifelong journey to discover my company that I run now called Stop Chasing Pain, which is a and an offshoot of it called Stop Chasing Symptoms, where you know, we, we, we treat pain and you know we certainly look at symptoms, but we have to figure out what the body is trying to tell us through the, the pain and suffering and the signals, because that's what pain is. Pain is a signal. It, it doesn't tell you what the problem is. It just tells you there is a problem. And I learned through all these years that I think 80 to 85 percent of most of the things that doctors end up treating in their office are compensations for an underlying bigger issue that they're not looking at. And I had to go deeper in relationship to looking at human movement. To That's kind of what led me on my journey, looking at deeper into how somebody moves to give me a, a peek inside of their their brain and their nervous system. And once you know what to look for, you know, then then all of a sudden you, you see what was right in front of you all the time, what they call the elusive obvious. Like everything is always around you. It's just like you haven't yet to discover it yet. That's really what happened. And that kind of brought me to where I am right now. I don't honestly practice uh, traditional chiropractic the way people think about it when you go to see one where they work with your spine and they do um, – adjustments or manipulations where, you know, quote unquote, hear a crack or a pop or a move and things like that. I don't really do that anymore uh, because all my other work led me down different avenues. And by the time you knock on my door and come into my office, you've been through a lot of other doors first. What that means is you've tried some traditional approaches in chiropractic or therapy or um, pain management and of what you're supposed to do. Okay, that can often sometimes work. Don't get me wrong, but uh, if if they haven't, then that just tells you you're chasing the wrong thing, or you're not looking at the bigger picture. And then you're much more open at that point when you come into my office and you see my my kind of what looks like a crazy ass approach from the norm. But pain and suffering can be very motivating when you've. You've tried a lot of other stuff and you just can't get well, then um, that's easy when you define me. But don't get me wrong. I mean, I can I can still move any bone in your body if I need to. If it's stuck, I just jokingly say I just unstuck it. I just get it moving. But honestly, that shit ain't hard to do. I mean, most anybody can get a bone moving a little bit better. But the hard part is figuring out uh, why the body stuck it together in the first place. And then once you get it unstuck and you get it mobile, which is mobility work, uh, ask yourself, why do you always have to keep doing mobility work? Right? So there's some underlying, um, thing that the body is inherently telling you that, uh, I appreciate you. For instance, like unlocking my hip that's been locked up for a long time, but if it keeps locking down, that means you're you're chasing an underlying compensation or adaptation, and you need to dig a little bit deeper. And that journey, that fascinating journey, honestly, is what keeps it exciting for me and trying to figure it out. And the dirty little secret is it's never the same for each person. No two people have the same reason that something is a problem, and that's where people can 
go down lots of different rabbit holes and get lost because everybody's different. Oh, fair enough. So how does your like treatment style look like if someone came to you finally, like what's your system? Like, what do you do? Um, well, first of all, I, I look at the entire system, uh, systems and individual and, um, most people that I find when they have a, a pain or discomfort, uh, people are looking at just that one system that's a problem. So let's say, for instance, you've got a low back. They're just going to, first of all, look at your low back, which is a big mistake. Um, but then they just stay looking at the same system. For instance, your musculoskeletal system. So that's your muscles and then your bones. And, they, and that's what I did, too, in the beginning, honestly. Like, okay, if I, you would come in in and I would treat your back, and then, you know, maybe the back would get a little better, but it would come back. But then I would start to put the puzzle piece together and go, okay, well, maybe it's not necessarily the back that's the issue, but another musculoskeletal condition. Maybe uh, it's coming from your hip, right? Maybe your hip doesn't move well, or you have weakness in a muscle above or below the back. Or maybe it's coming from your actual ankle that doesn't move well, which would cause you to overuse your lower back to make up for an ankle that doesn't move as well as it could. Does that make sense? So yeah. then I would I would be chasing in, in the same system. But then I went back and I go, hey, you know, I mean, I think we all inherently know it, but it seems like we're giving lip service to it. There's a lot of other systems I need to deal with, and none, in my opinion, is more important than the other. Like, I don't think your nervous system is any more important than your digestive system. Like, each one influences the other. I began to look deeper at um, your lymphatic system, which is a huge overlooked system. That's something that I'm really into right now. I think that's the most important system in your body if I had to pick one under duress. Then uh, you've got your cardiovascular, you've got your organs, you've got your endocrine. Then you've got, not to mention your emotional system as well. All those things have to work together. And your lower back is influenced by all of those other other ones. And I began to have a lot more success with helping my my patients and my clients when I looked at other systems of the body and then you can see how those systems interact when you watch somebody move, of course, but when you also step back and you look at the individual as a living, breathing, dynamic human being and not just uh, parts that are coming in that are hurting because it's, it's not about the parts. It's about the interactions of all the systems together that, that influence where somebody is getting their pain or how the pain came about. And then what you find in the chronic pain world, the dirty little secret is that most of these issues take decades to manifest themselves. And then that's the person that all of a sudden has knee pain when they're running and they equate the running to the knee pain. But I go back and I look at the past 20, 30 years to all the other things that contributed to why it just took that one run to do it. It's kind of like envision filling up a glass of water. Um, you know, it's not going to overflow until you put one final drop at the top. So many people look, 
at the final drop that made everything overflow. But you have to go back and look at everything that contributed to adding all the water in the glass at the first time. And those are something that often get overlooked because we don't think about that stuff anymore because it's in the past, right? I mean, that mm -hmm. what does that have to do with what's going on now? And what you learn the longer you're in this industry is that the nervous system never forgets anything at all. It, it just compensates, adapts, keeps pushing along, finds ways to keep going and stay as strong as it can in the moment that it's in. And then this past history just adds up like filling up the water. And then all of a sudden you go out for the run and the run is the final drop and then everything overflows, right? And then uh, that's why most people don't usually get well from what is being treated on them, assuming that it's not really bad damage and it's not cancer or, you know, you need surgery, something like that. As long as those have been ruled out, what's the reason why your body can't get back to that restorative pace of health? Because it always wants to be there. It's always trying to make itself healthy, always, even to the bitter end when you're sick. It's trying as best it can to keep you alive and survive and healthy and until it just can't anymore. Let's talk about the emotional system because I find when people are in pain, like so much emotion can be attached to it. And I always tell the story to my clients who are dealing with an injury. So I have one client in particular where she was doing the Ride to Conquer Cancer, which is just like this huge cycling event uh, here in Vancouver where they go from Vancouver to Seattle. And that year they had a huge windstorm and a tree broke and fell across her back and scapula. She had to get oh, wow. a, a surgery done. Uh, I think she had to fuse like T9 to T12 or something like that. Broke yeah. her scapula in half. And the way she is, she's very like motivated and an upbeat person. And mm -hmm. she had that accident at the end of August and when she was texting me in the hospital that she's going to not make it on Monday morning to train with me because she broke her back, in my head, I'm like, she's going to be back in the gym like in December. And the moment she got out of surgery, she went to Cairo twice a week, massage twice a week, and physio twice a week. And lo and behold, she was back in the gym. And, you know, we didn't do a whole lot. It was more of just like talking and like figuring out what we're going to do. But her like mental state was so strong that... I think any other person who experienced the same pain that she did, they would think, oh, my God, my life's over. I'm going to be sitting in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. But I really yeah. believe that if you just look at it as like, oh, this is just another thing I need to do and this is my action plan, Let's here we go, you're going to heal a lot faster. So I'm kind of curious what your experience with like the emotional system and mental system when it comes from the pain side. Well, Everything is always has an emotional component to it. I mean, that's what makes us a human being, right? I mean, that's why you're not a tree or a rock. So to yeah. not take into account the emotional system and relationship to pain uh, is something that I think traditional medicine, um, even though they're fantastic at trauma care and life-saving things, is kind of overlooking what the health care crisis that we have going on right now, which is chronic disease and autoinflammation all of these things that we don't understand why the body is quote-unquote attacking itself, um, not even going near all the toxins that are causing it. But, um, yeah, how, how you think changes your physiology. It changes your biology. And 
I think we in, inherently know that. Like, and I tell people, think about it. If, if you're alone in a room, right, and then you take yourself to a moment where you were really happy and a lot of joy in your life, right, and then how how your breathing changes, how your how your physiology changes, and then in a split second, you could think about a very painful or traumatic time in your life right? Maybe where you lost a loved one or had a breakup. And then in that instant, you, you probably stop breathing. You maybe hyperventilate. You start to sweat. You get anxiety. Stress. And it, nothing changed except your thought process, right? And that's huge. So you have the thought process for yourself as a human, as an individual, but then you also have your surrounding environment. And I think that's where a lot of times people, um, if they don't have a good, positive, reassuring environment around them, it can be very difficult, especially when you're going through something traumatic like like an injury. Um, because if you don't have that resilience on your own, that's what makes us unique, too, is we have connection, we have community, we have relationships. I mean, that's a, a primal need for happiness and of and not feeling alone. And that person that you mentioned, it sounds to me like she's a really outgoing, positive person and had that strength. And it, my guess is that she's probably got some really nice, positive uh, support structures for her and, and her life. Um, and uh, many people don't have that, and that's also one of the reasons why I've seen people don't succeed in a fitness journey because they can come in and be around a positive environment in the gym and have a great coach or really enjoy coming to work out. But if they go back to a toxic relationship or an environment, or an unsupportive environment at home, maybe it's a spouse or uh, another relationship where they don't understand, I, oh, why are you spending this money to go to training? You can just do it on your own, or we can't afford this, or, you know, those kind of seats. That stuff, it's really hard to break out of that quicksand. And I tell people this phrase all the time, which I found very empowering, is that you cannot get well in the same environment you became ill within. And that's really powerful because you need to change more than just one thing that you're doing. You need to change the environment that you're spending most of your that most of your time in. And I also think that that community and that support and that emotional thing is one reason why CrossFit does so well because it has a people have your back, the emotional um, you know, support to not give in, and you have a similar belief in something. But it also works in the pain world where I have people emotionally that can't get rid of pain because, honestly, it sounds crazy. And unless you're there, you don't know who you are without the pain. And the, the pain becomes so much a part of your identity. Or maybe you get paid a little extra attention to by people in your life because you have the pain. You follow? So oh, yeah. then, then it's like, oh, if I'm heard, then people are always wondering and asking how you're doing. It's a sense of need, of, of want, which is very primal for us. Nothing's worse than feel, feeling alone or feeling abandoned. 
And I've been doing a lot of work in chronic disease and autoimmune stuff. And uh, there's a big link that we're seeing in the research. And what I'm finding is that most people end up getting an autoimmune disease after a really highly emotional charged event in their life happens. It's like the death of a loved one, divorce, loss of a job, something like that. Then all of a sudden, that's when they begin to get sick. It's that constant and never-ending stress, and then you just, the water hit the top of the glass, man, and then the divorce or something was what sent it over the edge. And then uh, most chronic pain that I'm finding has some deep-seated emotional relationship to it. They can go back decades, like a long time, and uh, that's something that's really important to understand when you're dealing with a human being and their pain program, but also their uh, fitness training program. But the ideal part of that statement is human being. (laughs) Yeah. I'm happy you brought up the topic of stress because I've seen it a couple of times and you've probably seen it more, but you know, like I train some high stress individuals and every so often when work gets super busy and stressful out of nowhere, they're like, Oh, my shoulder hurts. And it's not until like whatever work issues resolved and now their shoulder doesn't hurt. So have you seen that happen a lot with high stress individuals where things just start hurting? Yes. I think stress is the number one reason that people get pain and stress is the number one reason that people have poor health. Um, And it, it all comes back down to um, all the systems working together again. So one of the things that you find that when you look at your brain and your nervous system from a survival standpoint, it, it, it doesn't want to die, first of all, but it hates uncertainty. It doesn't like uncertainty because uncertainty means it doesn't know what's coming from anywhere. It doesn't know what's going to happen. Think about how stressful that is, right, when, when it's the unknown because that's primal. Unknown in the old days would be like, if you didn't know what was over the ridge, your ass would be dead. I mean, like, that's stuff that's still deep-seated. If you don't know what's around the corner, that's kind of stressful. That constant stress right there changes your physiology all the time. And then that constant state of uncertainty in you change your physiology because you, first of all, stop breathing the usually efficiently at all, and then you hold your breath a lot. And then that constant tension, think about it this way, with if you uh, made a muscle that was just slightly engaged, just a little bit, but all day long, nonstop. You know, like, for instance, if you started to make a slight bicep muscle and you left it that way 24 hours, think about how that's going to feel the muscle's going to start to cramp. You're not going to get adequate blood flow. The excess tension in there decreases oxygen delivery to the muscle and to the nerve, and then you get pain from a condition called hypoxia. Hypoxia means decrease in oxygen. And if nerves can't breathe, they can't move. And if they can't move, then muscles start to get pain as well. And it all comes down to that that tense state, that stressed state that happens, not to mention what happens physiologically from the hormone systems of your body. And then all the other systems have to react to that 
hypoxia and decrease in blood flow. That's one of the reasons why breathing exercises work so well for people. When people breathe from the diaphragm or they meditate because it's going to put you into a relaxed state, you're increasing the amount of oxygen you have in your body through the breathing. So you're able to decrease the hypoxia and get blood into the muscles and around the nerves to then uh, allow movement to happen. And then when you have that breathing, you move the fluid in your body, the fluid dynamics, you move the vascular system, but you also move the lymphatic system, which is the detoxification system of your body that's designed to get rid of all the underlying inflammation and toxins that are there from your body having its own metabolisms of repairing itself, but also the outside world kicking the shit out of you all the time from the toxins that you eat, right, and all the stress that you do for your body and things like that. So all these systems come together. When I talk about stress, I'm talking about emotional stress. That's the biggest one. And then physiological stress. And what people need to understand is that stress is good. Like you need to have some stress in your body because that's how you adapt and you change. Like if you want to make hard steel, you got to stress it a lot and you have to learn to adapt. It's only when stress becomes too much where you don't get a break from the stress that it becomes bad. Same with inflammation. Inflammation is not bad. Inflammation is necessary. It's only when you can't get rid of the inflammation that it's a bad problem. And then that stress kicks on in for you. And then uh, if physiologically, everything begins to change and you get caught in this vicious survival, what they call sympathetic overload. You're always in fight or flight, which means kill or be killed. You can't take your parasympathetic, you relax, you know, have some wine, chill out, spend some time with a loved one, breathe and relax. You're always in this mode of survival. So once again, we go back to this stress mode, this survival mode, this tension mode, and it all comes down to one word, uncertainty, uncertainty. And then that's why when you can lower that down, all these issues where, oh, my God, I can't, my shoulder feels so much better, my back feels so much better. And sometimes that's just a matter of changing, stopping something that you're doing that we mentioned before. Or maybe it's actually getting out of a toxic relationship that's sucking the ever-living life out of you. And then I've had so many people automatically say, "Ah, I just broke up with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, and I'll tell you what, my back feels so much better. You're welcome, right? I mean, like, (laughs) it could be something just like that. It's The big picture that I want people to hope we take away from this is that it all it's all connected it all matters there's there's not just one thing that makes the difference it's all of it to, together and for, listen we're so stressed today all the time i mean you're you're stressed by the thing that you keep in your pocket or in your hand all day long and you look at the phone you're first of all you're stressed from the blue light that's killing you coming from the the phone, not to mention the Wi-Fi and the 4G and all the electrical EMF frequencies that are bombarding you all day long. But then you're picking it up and you're looking through a stressful email. You're looking through somebody bitching and moaning on Twitter. You're looking at Facebook here and then you had a hater and a troll hated your post you put up the day about hope and heart. And you're like, who the F 
hates on that, right? Then you get on there and you're like, I don't have enough likes on my Instagram channel. Somebody didn't like the, what I was, my ass shot on Instagram. Like it's a nonstop stress that you have in the palm of your hand. And I think that that in and of itself is huge because we're all looking for that quick pick me up high of the dopamine fix that we get from the phone rush of going at it all day long. And listen, the, the world, when you look at it in the phone and the headlines, it's an absolute shit show. Like when you look at it, you don't see the good, the positive, the love, the kindness, the forgiveness, the empathy that you don't see. You have to go out of your way, honestly, to be able to see that stuff. So I tell people, if you're trying to get well in pain, dude, don't go near your freaking phone in the morning, will you? Like don't touch it for the first hour and definitely don't sleep with it. <laughs> so for the individuals listening that are like, holy shit, you are describing my entire life, what are some things you'd recommend for people to kind of just get their journey started to kind of cover all their bases? Yeah, well, that's a good question, right? When I said it's little tiny action steps, right? And it's very often what you stop doing. So I usually tell people, don't necessarily start something, just stop something. And the one is, like I just mentioned before, is when you wake up in the morning, don't go anywhere near your phone for the first hour, and don't look at your phone one hour before you go to bed. So don't look at it because you're going to eliminate the blue light and then put it in another room. Don't even have it in the same room with you. Get yourself an alarm clock. They still make those things, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Right. And then another one is to just to take um, take stock of your life and notice how you feel when you're around an individual. Right. Like if you get around somebody and you feel really good, that's who you want to be around. If you're around somebody and you feel like you just had the life sucked out of you, that's telling you something, too, that you might want to stop hanging out with that individual because they pull you down into the quicksand really, really fast, right? And um, then if I had to have people start doing something, it would be just to spend just one minute every single day, you know, usually in the morning before you go to your phone, where it's just, it can only be one minute. It's just silence. It's quiet. There's nothing around. Just try to deep breathe a little bit and, don't think about anything. It's a, some people like to call it meditation. I just like you to try to be in silence for a little bit. And those small little things can make a, a huge difference uh, for someone in, in their life. And relationship to pain, they can help with that a lot too. Um, awesome. Um, so we're coming up to an hour, and I know you can talk more, but to maybe wrap this up, can you tell the audience where they can find you online, what projects you have coming out, and anything else you want to plug on my show? You can do that right now. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, if, if you want to find more about me, you can type in Stop Chasing Pain on Google, and a lot of stuff will show up. I've got many things out there that are available for you to take a look at from videos to workshops to articles and things like that. And my website, StopChasingPain.com, is the hub where you can get access to videos that you can 
purchased, probably the one that I'm most proud of to date is my lymphatic mojo body aquarium video where I show people how to take care of the lymphatic system that I mentioned before. That one is a a really big life changer for you health-wise and performance-wise. That one you can get right there. And then you can also see where I'm going to be available around the country and the world for teaching. And if you want to dive even deeper, you can join my membership site. I have a site called Mojo Pro. Mojo means magic. That's why I like to use that word. Um, that I have about over 600 videos on there that go in-depth from all different levels, from fitness professionals to chiropractic to lay people. I, I try to make it applicable for anyone and everyone so they can do some things that uh, to help them take care of themselves. And that be a little bit of a LTA, a little tiny action step every day. And if they want to reach me, they can directly reach out to me from there as well. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Yeah, thank you, my friend. It was a really good time. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. Okay, my little shit fits. This is going to wrap up episode 168 with Dr. Perry Nicholson. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. And make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family and everybody in Facebook land and Instagram land and any other social media site you're on. You should also check out the show notes in this episode to subscribe to the newsletter, add me on Facebook, and add me on Instagram because a lot of you have been listening and have been adding me um, because I've been bringing that out and we've been having a lot of great conversations and if there's anything I can help you with, just let me know. I am here at your disposal. I want to help as many people as possible. And another thing I want to plug in is for any of you overseas or in the States that want me to come and present at your facility, at an event, email me, hit me up on Facebook. I am looking to speak at events. I am more than happy and willing to travel to do so. So if you know anyone or anybody hosting, let me know, connect me, and we'll grow this thing together from this single podcast. I love you guys, and that's it for me.